What types of films are your favorite to edit? I don't know. I mean, I love more artistic movies, like more independent movies. If someone offered me like a spot on a Marvel movie, I would probably not take it. Like I would prefer to work on kind of smaller, more personal stuff while I can. Hello, and welcome to the Out of Frame podcast. My name is Jackson. And I'm Lauren. In this podcast, we discuss the unheard perspectives of the film industry to learn about what it's like to work in the industry and how to get involved. Each episode, we'll interview professionals about their work experience and their tips for aspiring filmmakers. All right, so Jackson, who are we talking to today? Yeah, today we're speaking with Matt Miller. Matt is an assistant editor for tons of different Hollywood films, things like Pete's Dragon, Clemency, and The Old Man and the Gun. Uh, Matt is originally from here in Nebraska. A lot of our interviewees have been from Nebraska, which has just been really cool to kind of see and inspiring. But on top of that, he graduated from the Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts. Matt moved out to LA in 2012. And on this episode, you'll hear about the struggles of moving to L.A. But on top of that, he talks about some practical things like how to align your career decisions with your interests. So I think this is going to be a really instructive episode. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, just getting to gather with us and allowing us to interview with you. You have worked on a lot of big films as an editor. Can you tell me about why you chose to be an editor or how you got into that position? Gosh, well, I mean, I graduated from film school and like every graduate of film school you know, I wanted to be a director. That's like what everybody wants to do when they're 22 and think that it's like super easy to do that. But um, I had a little like kernel of realism in the back of my head that, you know, this is a very competitive industry. It's very difficult to get footing, especially, you know, like a little hayseed Nebraskan like me with no industry connections. So I thought, well, what's like, what's like the next best thing? And I was sort of editing because I kind of felt like if I wanted to get into filmmaking, I wanted to still work in the creative capacity and editing kind of felt like a good kind of way to get in. So it's like, you're not necessarily directing, but you're also kind of, you know, like making creative decisions. So I thought, okay, well, I don't have necessarily the experience like coming right out of film school that I should. So let me try to like angle my way into cutting rooms. And that's sort of why I made that decision, basically. I also feel like as an editor, and you can speak to this a lot more than me, (laughs) but like you have a lot of, I guess, control over the film. That's kind of the draw to be like a director. An editor kind of has that same sort of positioning or or power uh, in some sense. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the appeal too. It's like you're basically taking the pieces and you're assembling it into, in theory, like the finished product. I mean, the reality is you as an editor basically get what's called an assembly cut. So while they're off shooting the movie, you're getting the footage every day coming in and piecing it together. But then the director comes in and then you're working with them for days on days on end. And, you know, ultimately it's kind of their movie, so it's their decision. But in the best possible sense, that's kind of a collaboration. Editing definitely interests me. Like I love 
just the process of kind of coming to that conclusion. I think it would be different to do like a like a film or, or like a feature because it's not necessarily entirely your vision, but you're helping the vision come alive through the choices that you make and the things that the the director says. Yeah. Do you guys like want to like enter the film industry? Is that sort of like the impetus of this podcast? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have desire to, but at the same time, I'm not sure because a lot of the guests we've spoken with have talked about the lifestyle that it has with it, where it's not not mm-hmm. a nine to five, it's crazy hours, but that's kind of where I'm at, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You have to love it. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think too, I have a theory that like people in the film industry are just by their nature is very dramatic. Cause it's like a, you know, it's an art, it's storytelling. So like, they just love to grouse about like how hard yes. they have. It. Mm. So I feel like more so than like, if you're like an accountant or a plumber, I feel like the people who join the film industries, like the people who joined the circus, like 80 years ago, you know, like they're kind of dramatic in their bones. So I think they just love to complain. And I, I mean, I certainly love to complain. I've been complaining that I've been here on a Sunday, you know, for the past few hours, but <laughs> I'm also, you know, I get to like work on movies for a living too. So that's sort of the trade-off. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a roommate and she's in STEM and I have to catch myself every time before I complain because I'm like, nope, I'm just being dramatic. I'm actually doing what I love and her life is probably much harder than mine right now. So just kind of have to check that dramatic side. So I definitely relate to that. I mean, not to say that it's not difficult. For sure. I also think jobs are difficult. Like adult mm-hmm. life is very difficult, even in the best of circumstances. Mm-hmm. So when you moved out to LA, you were talking about how you didn't really have connections going into it. And I think that's how a lot of people are, is they're kind of just out in the open. They don't know where they're going to start. How did you get your start and what did that process look like? I moved out here in 2012. Yeah, I didn't really have any connections other than the few Nebraskans that I knew. So I just knew that I needed to come out here. I mainly came out here just because like a couple friends had been out here and had been out here interning in the previous summer. And I did not do that. I was actually an orientation leader at um, UNL for a few years and I helped them make videos and stuff. So I kind of felt like I was behind. Uh, I was like, okay, so I have this little like nest egg. I'm going to move out to L.A., see how it goes. I have basically enough to like live for six months. Cause I don't know if it's still true, but back then to get any foot in the door, you had to go intern at Mm. places. And so like, that's what all of my friends had been doing. They were interning at like production companies. I know Kaylee interned at extreme makeover home edition. I'm sure she talked about that. Yeah. So I interned for like eight months and was like not making any money. And I quickly learned that I did not want to work in development, which is what like interning for a production company basically is. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're answering phones, you're reading scripts, you're doing it for free. I mean, it's a total exploitative thing. Ideally, you get like college credit to do it, but I didn't because I went to Nebraska. And luckily, because um, I had a network of Nebraskans who were out here, they were also kind of, you know, making their moves in the industry. And I had a couple friends who worked at Funny or Die at the time. I don't know if you all know what that is. 
<laughs> uh, I'm unfamiliar. What What is that? Uh, so 10 years ago, there was this site called Funnier Die that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay Mm. ran it was basically like youtube but just for comedy videos and they had like articles and stuff so it was basically like college humor and during that time it had sort of this like startup mentality that they were just like we don't know if this is going to make money let's just like throw a bunch of money on this and see what happens so i had a couple friends who were working there and they were kind of at that time realizing like oh this is not a sustainable work model at all like we're not able to make money this way so they were slowly starting to branch out like you know making commercials for people and also like producing shows and they had this comedy central show that they were producing that was like a reality show about this comedian and they needed someone to like transcribe all the footage like watching it and like typing out everything that they said so like the producers could then like filter through all the footage and basically create the show so I luckily like got out of production company hell and like did that and then from there like you know they liked me enough that they eventually hired me as an assistant editor on the show and that's kind of how I got into editorial. I feel like there's always like common themes with everyone where they're like I don't know what I'm doing when I like when they first started out they're like I don't know what I'm doing I don't know where I'm gonna go and then when they do find that you know point where they've sort of made it it's kind of the same but it's never I don't know it's never exactly the same story which I love so yours is very unique in its own way and that's amazing yeah and it never seems to be something that like you can anticipate it just kind of happens it seems like yeah you just have to go for it really if I would give any advice it's just like you have to have that community of people like they're the ones who like support you they're the ones who like prop you up if you have like any ambition to make something like they're just your natural collaborators who, you know, if you've gone to school together for four years, they're more inclined to, you know, like cut you a break and like work on your short or your like web thing that you're making for free, basically. Cause like, it's a total game changer when you come out here and you think, oh, I'm going to make a short. And if you want to actually hire professionals, you need money to do that. So you either need money or you need like your community of people who are willing to kind of throw you a bone. I, yeah, I'd never even thought about that you are coming in without any money. And if you're wanting to do your own project, you either pay professionals, which is impossible, you know, starting out or yeah, you find some very kind friends. <laughs> the person we interviewed that um, the episode is coming out on Tuesday. Mm. I remember she said, you pay your friends in good hugs and good food. And yeah. that's exactly the same, same theme. Very true. I always felt it was very important to have good vibes on set, you know, like you're using people's time. So Mm -hmm. you want that time to be as like fun and streamlined as possible. So I always tried to make my sets like a party in a way. I mean, a professional party, like it didn't get out of hand, but you want people to have a good time. So what has been some of the biggest challenges living in LA? Um, I mean, the traffic's pretty bad. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I would say kind of feel like when you're in Nebraska moving to LA, it's like, almost like you're an immigrant in a way. I mean, obviously you're not like moving to another country, but there is like a major culture shock. Mm -hmm. And you are like kind of two steps behind people who have lived here their entire life. You don't have relatives out here, so you don't have like a home that you could easily just like slip into, you know, like because housing out here is very expensive. I mean, that's something I'm constantly thinking about. 
if I lived in Nebraska, I could probably buy a house like on Sheridan in Lincoln right now, but like I'm out here. So like a house on Sheridan is basically like a shack that's about to topple over in this neighborhood. But like my wife and I talk about is why we're out here to stay like beyond just that I'm here for work. It's just like you pay a high premium for like the highest highs that you can basically get. The culture out here is amazing. There's Mm -hmm. like so many things that you can't get anywhere else. Like I could drive 10 minutes to the bro museum and see like Warhol paintings for free, like Dodger stadiums behind me. Uh, I'm a huge old movie buff. And I love seeing them in the theater, like projected on film. And that doesn't happen in Nebraska, you know, Mm. but here it happens in like 12 places every night. And you don't get that unless you're here. You mentioned the like being able to see the old films. And I see that you review a lot of films. uh, And I was looking at your. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. How did you get into reviewing film and uh, how does that, I guess, inspire your own personal work? Yes. Did you find my letterbox? Is that yeah. <laughs> I told him it'd be like asking if asking about someone's Twitter account. But I think it ties in with this because it shows that film really does influence you and your career. So. Oh, gosh. This is getting very confessional. <laughs> <laughs> I've had letterbox since like 2015, which I feel like was like when it first came out. I just liked keeping track of what I was watching. And then it's fun to look back and see like, oh, like, yeah, I was into that filmmaker then. And so then when Letterboxd came out, it was like, oh, shit, this is like a thing that I'm naturally doing already, but with like cool graphics and posters and like you can like yeah. see entire like, actor's filmography with like the click of buttons, it's, mm-hmm. like super convenient. I don't really review movies too much. It's mainly just for logging purposes. I know people sometimes love to write these like pages long, like reviews and things. I, I don't. Yeah. Yours, don't. yours are short and sweet. I well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the best letterbox reviews are like the pithy, like joke ones. Yes. My favorite thing since I've had it is when I watch a movie, I need to see who the whole cast is, who was on the whole production team. Do I know any of them? No, but just being able to see how many people, what their names are, it it makes it so much better for me. I don't know why. Do you ever go on Letterboxd, go to the film you worked on and go, this editing was astounding or something like that. Then we can still track <laughs> Just it. Just bolster yourself up. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, good. Actually, the editor I'm working with now has a secret Letterboxd. So, so he'd probably see it. A lot of people have secret Letterboxd. That's not what, they don't tell you that. Like uh, I've heard rumors that PTA has a secret Letterboxd. I hear Margaret Robbie has a secret letterbox. Like there are people lurking out there. Mm-hmm. Wow. How would you say your Nebraska roots have influenced you to this day? Yeah, I'm just like always going to be Midwestern. I can't help it. That Nebraska nice thing. Isn't that the state phrase mm-hmm. now? You can tell like the difference out here between people. And then you can tell when you've met a fellow Midwesterner because you're just like immediately put at ease. It's weird. Yeah, I guess like the work ethic, like I was just like taught to work hard because I grew up on a farm and I'm just like never going to totally shake that. That actually makes you very employable, I've found. People love hiring Midwesterners because they're not spoiled rich kids who just expect a handout. Like they're just like, oh, this person's going to work their ass off for me. Which you have to be careful of because then like people 
to take advantage of you. But, you know, if you want to work your ass off, it's great. What have been some of the things that have influenced your career uh, in film? I guess I've always loved movies just ever since I was a kid. Um, Like the thing I fell in love with were like movies, like 90 minute to two and a half hour stories that just end, you know, that were concise. And so when I moved out here, like I kind of decided early on, like I want to work on movies and I kind of stuck with that as the guiding principle. I feel like you kind of have to be very discerning once you get your foot in the door, because basically the connections that you make on jobs are the connections that will lead you to other jobs. So Mm -hmm. like if you get a job working on a reality TV show and you do a good job, like other people who work on reality TV shows are going to want to hire you. Mm-hmm. And not saying that like reality TV is like an inferior thing because it's not. And, you know, people can make really good money on reality TV, like cutting it. It's a much easier track, I think, to become an editor and you can probably get paid a lot more. But I just wasn't really interested in that. So I tried to be very discerning early on and say, oh, I'm only interested in working on movies. And so, like, I had to turn down a lot of jobs early on. I know, like, a lot of my friends got a little further along in their careers quicker than I did. But they also, you know, tried to work on television shows, reality television shows. And I essentially held out. I feel like that's maybe starting to pay off now because I'm, you know, very fortunate. I've been able to work on a lot of really cool projects with a lot of filmmakers who... You know, like years ago, I would just like give anything to work for for them. Mm -hmm. And I've been very lucky that like, you know, because of those decisions, I didn't even have to like look too hard. It's just like through connections that I've made, those jobs just kind of like magically came my way. And I kind of really chalk it up to that decision, basically, to just hold out for working on movies. That's amazing. Going off of that, what types of films are your favorite to edit? I mean, I'll be clear, like, I am not fully an editor yet. Like, I work on as an assistant editor mm-hmm. on a lot of these shows, which isn't to say I'm not doing creative work. I don't know. I mean, I love more artistic movies, like, more independent movies. If someone offered me, like, a spot on a Marvel movie, I would probably not take it. I feel like that's another discerning thing. Like, I would prefer to work on kind of smaller, more personal stuff while I can. I mean, the trade-off is you're not going to make as much money on those because the budgets aren't as high, but I feel like you get a little more cachet that way because I think everybody secretly wants to work on those, or at least that's what what my ego tells me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather like work on stories with kind of auteur filmmakers, I guess, just because they have an artistic perspective and vision that I think is intoxicating. And those are the types of movies that I seek out, so I prefer those. But, you know, you also got to pay the bills. Like, um, like the movie I'm on now is paying pretty well. But there's also a movie I'm supposed to hop on in January that the filmmaker shot, like, over a year ago. He's cutting it right now. He's the director and the editor. Wow. And to do that, like, to work on that, like, he doesn't command, like, the budget of, you know, like, a Marvel movie, basically. It's, like, a fraction of it. So I have to take a pay cut to be able to work with him. But the trade-off is like, I get to work with him. I feel like that goes back to your point about you really have to love what you do. And it seems like you curate what you do so that you love it. 
So that makes a lot of sense. How does, um, I guess, being married and being in this industry, um, how does that dynamic work for you? I mean, you have to put work into both. And it's a challenge because, you know, the hours are very long. And especially like during the crunch time, like there's a lot of times where I'm not getting home until like nine or 10 at night for an extended period. So, and that, you know, that's hard. That's hard on my partner, but Mm -hmm. at work and the time we do have is precious, I guess. One advantage of this work, because it's all freelance, right? So like the job ends, it's not like a salaried position that I'm just in jail in for eternity. Like the move I'm on now is going to end. All the other jobs that I've been on that were horror shows have ended. And then suddenly, you know, you have a little more in your bank account and you have all this free time. So like, I usually try to time it where like I work on a movie and then I take a few months off before I like try to look for the next thing. And I have a little more time to like be around and do personal stuff or like go on vacations and things. So it's just like anything you have to work at it. And if your relationship is important to you, you have to put the work in to make it work. Is your wife in some capacity of the film industry or does she do something separate? No, she works in advertising, which is good, I think. I feel like it's nice to have a partner who's not in it with you. You can kind of escape it a little bit. Yeah, we've heard both sides. It's good to have someone in the film industry. They'll understand the hours. And now now your perspective that it's nice to have someone different. I think going off of both of those, it just depends on the person. I I think you have to figure out how you can do both. You have to figure out your game plan and like how it works and how you can invest the amount of time that's necessary to succeed in both and like what you said like makes a lot of sense where yeah you work crazy hours for a period of time but then you can have months off and be able to just enjoy your relationship and things like that so yeah that that was well put that that makes a lot of logical sense to me we did as you know a little bit of research and um i saw that you directed a film called uh 21st century outlaws and i thought the premise just looked really fascinating to me would you care to tell the audience a bit about this film and what inspired you to make it it was my senior thesis film i was at the time watching a lot of eastbound and down the danny mcbride show and a lot of like anti-hero cinema of like the 70s and then I wanted to make like a small town movie because I'm from a small Nebraska town so I was like well I'll like do something in that vein because I have locations that are like interesting that I can get for free so that's basically where it came from. That's amazing. I I feel like we're just kind of laying it all bare right now with the letterboxd account (laughs) and then this. Yeah you're you're finding all the skeletons. (laughs) I just think, okay, let me read the IMDb premise because to me, this sounds like the best movie I could watch. I need to watch this thing, but I don't know. I just think it's so so cool. It says, I'll hide it from you. <laughs> I will find it. <laughs> I think it exists online. I, I will mean, I certainly have it, but I think I have the only copy. We'll keep in touch. Yeah, we'll keep yeah. in touch. I'll convince you to send it to me. But But let me read this thing because I just think it sounds so cool. This is probably my bias as being a Nebraskan, but it says, in order to get on television, a group of rednecks start a robbing spree in their small town, Nebraska. 
or they're in, in their, oh my gosh, I butchered it, in their, in their small Nebraskan town. I don't know. I just think it sounds amazing. Yeah, the, the log line like makes it sound a lot more epic than it, it was. Okay. Uh, I'm being like self-effacing. It's fine. It's like for a movie I made when I was 22, I think it's okay. Yeah. Where can uh, people find out more about you and what you're working on? Normally people would say social media, but I'm like, I don't really update my social media at all, which is a whole thing. I like am kind of anti-social media. So if you were to maybe say a place somewhere can people can find you or maybe a movie, someone you can suggest people to watch and be like, I was part of making that. Like, what, what would what would that be? There's a few that I'm very proud to have worked on, I would say. Probably proudest that I worked on The Old Man and the Gun. I don't know how many people have seen it. Uh, it's a, by filmmaker David Lowry, who I've been fortunate enough to work with a few times. It was actually a movie I got a, my kind of jump start on. I was a PA and the editor, her name is Lisa Shergan. She's like an old school editor. She's cut, you know, a bunch of really famous movies and she like they needed help because they didn't have enough staff in our department and the assistant was you know stretched thin so they got me a computer and i snuck on was able to do dailies and robert redford started and he's like the famous old hollywood redhead i guess and he's also a director himself so while i was like prepping all the footage i got to see how he worked and like his methods of like acting and stuff. And it was so revelatory. Like I learned so much on that process. So people should watch Old Man the Gun. I think it's a really lovely film that was underseen when it came out. Sweet. That's awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for your openness and yeah, just this time. Lovely talking to both of you. Yeah, lovely talking to you too. Thank you for listening to the Out of Frame podcast. Today you heard a conversation with assistant editor and producer Matt Miller. Tune in next time for another in-depth conversation with film professionals to learn more about the industry and how you can get involved. Follow us on Instagram at Out of Frame Podcast and let us know what you thought about today's episode. Bye. Bye.